Salutations. My name is Justin Lohr. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 100. What can I do for you? Oh, thanks, fucking Siri. <laughs> you are listening to episode 142 of Horror Business. Horror Business. And today, on this episode, we're talking about two delicious episode movies. They're delicious. Because they're cannibal movies? Cannibal movies. I not, like- not racist, weird... Uh, right, Italian right. cannibal movies, movies right. about, you know, cannibals. We're doing 1999's Ravenous and 2016's Raw. It is maybe revealing that we're doing two cannibal movies that we both are like, oh, these are not racist cannibal movies, right? And there are also two movies in which you could argue that they're kind of other movies. Like Ravenous is, in a sense, a vampire movie, right? Like they have powers. You're pulled into like the the family. Like there's a lot of vibes in it that feels like a vampire movie. And uh Raw is like a coming of age sex body horror, maybe queer kind of movie. And it's like, oh yeah, neither of these movies are just like, hey, there's a bunch of weird cannibals we have to get away from. Like they're just a different take on that theme than what you see in what people call cannibal movies usually. Yeah. Um what was I going to say? I don't know. But yeah, these movies both have to do with cannibalism. Uh, Ravenous. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, oh my God. My brain just like literally just fucking stopped working. Um, yeah, we're doing these movies. They're about people being eaten by other people. And they're not, you know. Strangely enough, I actually just got um, Mountain of the Cannibal God. Oh, okay. Some dude came into our shop and sold us like a ton of like old horror movies. And sure. I was in there and I was like, I've never seen this movie. And I don't think I want to see this movie, but I feel I should own this movie. Well, I mean, to be fair, I've only seen a couple of these movies. And so when I write them off, I'm being a bit, you know, I'm, I'm making a judgment that might not be justified. If we, I don't know when I'll suggest we cover cannibal movies. If we had a guest who wanted to cover cannibal movies, I wouldn't say no. But if I am right that I don't like them, I will also not hide my opinion on that because I just do think they seem bad to me, Justin. They just seem bad. Yeah, most of them, most of them are. And I know there's a lot of people, there's a certain person on this podcast network who I'm not going to name, okay? He's a co-host of a certain podcast called Cinepunks. It isn't Liam O'Donnell. I'm not going to say their name. Uh-huh. I know he likes cannibal movies. Josh does not like cannibal movies. Oh, but you're the one who likes cannibal movies. No, I don't like cannibal movies either. Neither one of us like cannibal movies. Who, who, I remember, I remember one time getting into an argument about how cannibal movies were racist and like. One of us was saying they weren't, and the other two were saying they. I don't know. Maybe I just imagined that. I don't. It wasn't with. I don't think it was with Josh. I think Josh is even harder on that issue than I am. Uh, uh, but I still think. I mean, here's the thing. 
<clears throat> I think you could have a not racist cannibal movie, but they're going to be a movie where the cannibals are normal people. There's just something whenever a cannibal movie is, I'm a white man lost in the brown jungle. It's hard for it not to be racist, even if they're not cannibals, right? Like, you know, uh, I, I like a lot of different kinds of exploitation movies, right? But one of those kinds of exploitation movies I've watched for the Vic Diaz podcast is the white martial artist on an island defending himself from all the other martial artists who are mostly brown people. And it's really like a, you know, him discovering himself in the wild jungle or whatever. Uh, you know, I don't think that's as racist as some of these cannibal movies, but it's not cool. It's not a great vision. They certainly don't paint a great picture of the Philippines. I'm not imagining that a lot of these Vic Diaz movies that I, some of which I'd like, most of them are pretty bad, but the ones I like, even you don't watch it and go, Hey, I should maybe go and visit the Philippines. Like, you know, they just sort of paint a picture of that part of you know, the Pacific as like a scary place you go to to face danger, not like just a place where people live, man. Just people live there. It's not, you know, it's different, but it's not a place that people don't live. It's just another place where humans live. Like, what? why do we act like something here is somehow different, you know? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I do think there's a touch of like mystical of American and ravenous. Oh, yes. So but well, I will say what they don't do with that. Well, we're going to get into it. I'll, just as a prelude, the mystical Native Americans, who are less mystical and more knowledgeable, they also have no special abilities to help in this situation, which yeah. I think was a good decision. It's not great when it's like, oh, no, we white people have encountered a problem. Luckily, these these native folks can solve it for us. These native folks know a name for what's happening, but they don't come in and like turn into super warriors or do magic or anything. They just are like, Hey, this sounds bad. <laughs> and then one of them doesn't help them. And then the other one's like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. And that's it. And I was like, okay, that's a better handling of that scenario than, you know, we've seen movies where instead one of them would know a magic spell or they would like rip off their shirt and become a super warrior or some other yeah. bullshit, you know, that you'd be like, fuck this. Yeah. Anyways. But before we get further into the, um, into Liam's love of mystical native Americans, uh, there are a few people we'd like to thank. First and foremost, I'd like to point out that Liam did not deny his love of the mystical native American trope. In fact, his favorite movie of all time is the Manitou. Uh, well, I mean, I do love the Manitou. It's a great movie. I it's love the so, Manitou. It's so good. I thought you were going to say like one of these, uh, like Last of the Mohicans or something like that. D D Dances with Wolves. Those sorts of movies, not like a, a horror movie. Avatar. Oh fuck yeah! Uh, we would like to thank our patrons over at Patreon. Um, now we, I've established money's not fucking real, but running a podcast network for some reason does cost a certain amount of quote unquote money. Um, and we don't do this to make money. We do, we do this because we love talking about film and, and, and horror and weird stuff and your generous donations on Patreon. Um, they help offset a little, offset that a little bit. So if you're interested in becoming a patron, you can head to patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. Who else do we want to thank? Well, obviously we want to thank. Our friends at LVAC that aren't Chris Reject. I mean, yes. you know, by the property of, you know, association, we are in a sense thanking Chris Reject. But if there's a way for us to be sure that people know that we appreciate 
the organization that he created without very much appreciating him too much. I just want to make that clear. Uh, if you have something to print, like let's say Justin's like, hey, man, I want to start a, a, a Monster of the Week campaign, and we're going to start a club where we all play Monster of the Week virtually on the internet, uh, and we, we've named the campaign um, uh, Scully's Foot Soldiers. Mm. And we want shirts that say Scully's foot soldiers, right? This is, this is, you're venturing danger close to a foot fetish. Oh, okay. I wasn't thinking that. Uh, Scully's army. How about that? Scully uh, and the boys. Yeah, whatever it is. Actually, Scully's boys sounds like Navy slang for, for testicles. Yeah, that's, that's fair. The point is, if we wanted to make hats, shirts, bandanas, pillowcases, sweatpants, we would go to xlvacx.com and the good people at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations would give us very personal and very professional service to get printed whatever we needed. And even if the images we had were not perfect, they would help us uh, get these designs in ship shape, in printing shape. Uh, so head on over to xlvacx.com and start your printing order today. And here's the deal, a little, little secret for you. The more business that you give lehigh valley pearl creations the more you drive chris reject crazy like his the life more mental anguish you put him through. yeah so like order a ton of stuff like just order more shirts and and hats and hoodies than you need uh and while you're thinking well maybe i'm enriching him he'll find a way to waste it you know don't he worry will. about that he's a fucking deviant with no self-control he'll blow. yeah yeah, he's going to buy more felt paintings or uh, plastic blow-ups of, of street punk Santa Clauses or some bullshit, you know? He'll find, he'll find a way. Wrestling toys. He's a degenerate piece of shit. I've said it countless times over the 20-plus years I've known him. He's, 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 he's disgusting. Justin seems all jazzed up, almost like he had a cup of excess coffee roasters coffee. <laughs> If only, if only I re rewarded myself with the velvety texture of a nice cup of uh, Java uh, Midnight Roast coffee from Essex Coffee Roasters. You almost nailed it. That was almost, that was almost great. It was so close to great. Yeah. Uh, EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. High quality coffee. Roasted to order. Enter the code CINEPUNKS to get 10% off your order. There's also high-quality tea, as well as uh, awesome T-shirts. EssexCoffeeRoasters.com. We love you, Aaron Dahlbeck. Uh, I make T-shirts. We got some cool stuff up right now. Check it out. RoughCutFanClub.com. And, you know, we love Sharky. Sharky's the best. Sharky makes every episode sound good. Whatever Sharky does is great. MechanicalSharkMedia.com. Check out what whatever he's working on currently. That's it. That's all our thank yous, really. It's, 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 you know, that's, that's what we got for you. I hope that's enough. Yeah. And if it's not, you know, I don't, I don't know what you want. <laughs> now comes the time in the podcast when I, I stumble into camp, frostbitten. I am, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm I, I haven't eaten food. Food? I haven't eaten food in three months. And I'm ravenous with hunger. And I, I stumble into the cabin in a, in a, besotten David Arquette goes to help me and as I lay on the table and I be just before I begin to tell the horrible tale of of Colonel Ives and his 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 ways his evil ways I, I look over at Liam who is uh the camp doctor 
Yes, we'll go with Camp Doctor. He's the mm -hmm. Camp Doctor, and I look at him and I say, Liam, what have you done involving Har recently? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I say, nothing. <laughs> okay, here's what's crazy, though, Justin, is that last time we recorded, which was not that long ago, but long enough ago to, you know, it matters, I had watched so much stuff. I came in, like, guns blazing. You did. Like, you so much, the door so much open. I have watched some horror for uh, we we put together. I put together a list. So hey guys, it's Cineween. Hopefully this will be out. Like yeah, it should be. It's pretty early in the month. Uh, you know, it's 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 the month of Halloween. We're doing lots of Halloween stuff over at Cinepunks, including there's some uh, essays going up and special episodes, all that kind of stuff. I put together a a, a guide for the month. It was just a, a list of prompts to maybe help people with their month of, of, of horror watching, right? I've been able to watch a few movies on my list, but a lot of stuff has been going on in my personal life, y'all, whether that is uh, money bullshit, whether that is something cool, which is uh, going to Cinema Wasteland. Uh, oh, did I talk? I guess I didn't talk about Cinema Wasteland, right? Because we recorded before I went. Is that right? Uh, no, you spoke about it a little bit. You said it was like the... Um... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, oh, you were like you said it's 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 like it's it's like Monster Mania, but with more on like buying stuff and less meeting okay. celebrities. Okay, so we've but we've recorded since I went. I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember yeah. if we had or not. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so um, anyway, sorry y'all to repeat myself. Um, but between that and other stupid stuff and just friends going through it. I have a friend who's going through like a really frustrating legal matter right now and just lots of stuff. You know, Sue's got sick recently, so I haven't had as much time to watch stuff as I would like. Uh, I did rewatch uh, Scream for Help, which I did a short write-up on. It's really great. If, if people listening have never seen Scream for Help, I can't recommend it enough. Um, it is a weird smash-up of a Nancy Drew mystery with a explicit sexploitation uh, home invasion movie. It is awesome. Uh, Justin, have you ever seen Scream for Help? I have not, but I like that description. Yo, check it out. It is. What's funny is it's one of those movies. You'll understand my frustration with this. It's one of those movies where even the people who love it are like, it's such a mad cat mix of tones. What a wild mistake. So weird that they fucked this movie up so bad that it's so fun. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. Maybe it's true. But also, no one ever, it feels like not a lot of people watch it and think, maybe they did this on purpose. You know what I mean? Because I yeah. think if you watch it and you think, maybe they did this on purpose, then you think, oh man, this is a movie that's really cynical about the suburbs because you've got this one character who like dresses like a mom and is very virginal and is really obsessed with like investigating these mysteries. And then she's just surrounded by the exact cast of awful people that would be in a like urban fear movie, but they're not in an urban fear movie. They're in the ultra rich suburbs where everyone is rich and privileged. Right. And I think like, Maybe that's just a happenstance, but if it's not, I think it's a really fun way to still have a fun, trashy movie that is still portraying what you think, which is like, these people suck. Uh, and that's great. It was, it's fun. It's fun to me. I really like that movie. Uh, other than that, I, some of the things I have been doing, I started rewatching The Haunting of Hill House because oh. while Suze has watched a bunch of the other, uh, Oh, what's his name? It just went Mike out of Flanagan. My head. Mike Flanagan uh, shows. She had never watched that one, so we started watching that uh, together, which is great. That's a fun sort of rewatch. Um, 
And then uh, from my own list, I did actually manage to watch some of these movies, which, by the way, if, if anyone's like, oh, my God, you're not watching all the movies, like, my plan is to watch all the movies, but I have not been able to keep on schedule entirely. Uh, rewatched Paranorman. Love it. You know, uh, you know what I rewatched and I was surprised because I only watched it because Maeve wanted to. And then I ended up actually not disliking that much was uh, The Corpse Bride. Okay. Uh, she's actually going to be The Corpse Bride for Halloween, which is great. That's adorable. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, rewatched Legend of Hell House, which I love. Rewatched. Uh, Stage Fright Aquarius, which I still love. And then I watched for the first time, because uh, it was on my list, and because it kind of connected to things we've done recently, I jumped a few movies and watched Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed. Oh, interesting. Really liked it. Really liked it. Uh, I'm kind of curious now to watch more of those uh, uh, fucking Hammer Frankenstein movies, you know? Um, and I guess that's it. I guess that's about it for me with horror stuff. I've been doing a couple of horror comic books, uh, like some Mike Mignola stuff, but that's about it. I really need to, I, I, a, I really want the new Mike Flanagan to come out. Uh, the new show. What is that? The house of Usher. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say anyone listening to this, you should go to your local bookstore or go to amazon.com. And this isn't bashing. I'm not bashing Mike Flanagan at all. This is going to be great, but there was a book written maybe 30 or so years ago called Usher's Passing that oh. generally seen. I th- I'm pretty sure I've talked about it before on this podcast that kind of sort of feels <clears throat> like maybe whoever wrote the fall of the house of usher for netflix from what i've seen there's there is no possible way no possible way that someone involved in making that show hadn't read that book right yeah you know the whole idea of the usher family being this like rich weird family in present time like it, it it's a fantastic book i it's uh, usher's passing by robert mccammon i just wanted to get that out there into the fucking ether before before this fucking show comes on. Um, I'm sure the Flanagan show is going to be amazing because everything that guy even looks at is fucking fantastic. I just wanted to put this out there. Usher's Passing by Robert McCammon. Fucking fantastic. Check it out. Mm-hmm. Well, that's about it for me. How about you, buddy? Um, So I haven't done all that much. Um, I have a review that'll be up for a movie called The Man in the White Van. I watched recently. That was pretty cool. I did a review for that. Um, I watched a movie on Vudu, not Tubi, uh, called Don't Look Away. That was, for you Doctor Who people, it was essentially the Weeping Angels, but with this like slightly off mannequin. And it's a very simplistic plot. There's this mannequin that, as long as you're looking at it, it can't move, but then it just moves around when you don't look at it, and it like stalks you. There were scenes in that that were genuinely unsettling. I don't know if I would recommend it's like five dollars on 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 voodoo. I don't know if I would recommend it. You know, it was fine. It wasn't like it didn't blow me away. Like, um, I don't know, even like like I, I last episode I talked about the Hopewell Haunting, which is on Tubi for free. That movie rocked my fucking world. Um, I don't think Don't Look Away rocked my world. Like, it was fine. I don't feel okay. I wasted my money, okay. but I wasn't like, holy shit. Um, 
I watched VHS 85 on Shudder. Um, I loved it. I loved the VHS movies. Shout out to Josh Goldblum for, you know, producing these quality found footage movies that are fucking absolutely weird in a way that I wish more movies were. Um, I saw The Exorcist Believer. Um, I didn't hate it as much as most people did because a a thing I keep hearing people say that is like almost laughable because they're sincere is like it doesn't come close to the original movie. It's like, yeah, it's almost like the original movie is like a is like one of the greatest films of all time. It's weird. It's almost like it's like untouchable. Yeah. You know, it's it's almost like it has a really high bar to hit. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I um, understand that. Yeah. So it's 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 not like a you know, it's 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 a lot better than I think people are giving it credit for. Um I wasn't like terrified by it or anything like that. Um, and then a movie I watched that I really liked that I didn't think I was going to was a movie on Amazon called Totally Killer. Liam, did you see this? No, I saw actually negative reviews of it, so I wasn't going to give it a chance. But if, if you say it's good, I'll definitely check it I'm out. I'm not trying to rustle any feathers. I swear on my life I'm not trying to rustle any feathers. Please don't think I'm trying to rustle any feathers. This movie is what detention was trying to be. Oh, you son of a bitch. No, I'm serious. Okay. I'm fucking okay. serious. No, 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 no. I understand that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's a lot of fun. I watched it with my grandfather. He liked it. Um, it's on Amazon. Totally killer. Check it out. All right. I'll check it and out. That's pretty. Oh, I also started watching um, on Apple Plus uh, the, the, the adaption of uh, it's a show, uh, Lisey's story about the Stephen King novel. Oh, OK. Have you watched this? No, I didn't even know this existed. Oh my god, it's got like Julian Moore and uh, Clive Owen in, in it, and Dane DeHaan. My God in heaven, it's so, <laughs> it's so, it's um, it's funny because you're watching it and it's it's all about like if you're familiar with like, the Stephen King mythos, um, and I you know I'm assuming you are. It's about a guy who can like travel through like he can like go toe dash like through like the space between i don't need to explain toe dash darkness to you people it's you know it's the macroverse it's where you know it and the crimson king and the turtle you, you know that about the turtle Suppose I, know, the, 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 I, I know about the turtle the turtle the, 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 the materin he's got the beams they support the dark i don't need to tell you that um this guy can like he can like phase to like another like existence and there's this thing there called the long boy which sounds Sounds hilarious until you watch the show and there's people who are like, you can't make a sound because of the long boy. And then you realize, I just shit my pants with fear because I'm afraid of the long boy. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. Um, but no, it's it's a really cool show. It's like, it, you know, it deals with elements of like grief and, you know, it's Stephen King. So there's like, oh, yeah, there's this alcoholic writer. I don't know who that came from. And his wife who struggles to be with him. Also a complete mystery to me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really good. It's on Apple, Apple TV. I will check that out. That sounds really good. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I haven't watched anything. So I guess we're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to talk about 1999's, um, horror Western cannibal black comedy. Okay. Interesting. Ravenous. <laughs> Ravenous? I'm just this rabbit. I'll be right back. We'll be right back. I'm sending you to California 
Fort Spencer. We have four missing soldiers, Captain, and no bodies. We need a supportable explanation. Captain John Boyd is about to discover... No one just ends up at Fort Spencer. We come for a reason. Yours being? Well, something he never imagined. We have a great sense of camaraderie here at Fort Spencer. <laughs> this Indian scout told me a curious story. Winged eagle. It's an old Indian myth from the north. Man eats the flesh of another. <gasps> he absorbs the other man's strength. Now, one man must choose. We need others. Between having dinner Not and being dinner. <laughs> That's so annoying. Guy Pierce. Ives! I'm gonna kill him. Robert Carlyle. He was tough, but then a uh, good soldier ought to be. Jeffrey Jones. Me, uh, I bring you into the fold. What's wrong? David Arquette. <laughs> There's no guilt. I gotta eat. It's tough making friends. Eat to live. Don't live to eat. That was really sneaky. He was licking me! Ravenous. Bon appetit. We are back to talk about 1999's uh, horror western cannibal film, Ravenous. Now, can I tell you the first time I ever heard of this movie? Okay. Because I remember when this movie came out, and here's what sold me on this movie. A friend of the podcast and guest, Andrew McArdle, saw this movie, and he described it as, the scene that sold me is he described a scene where Robert Carlyle is chasing after... Um, What's the actor's name? Uh, Upham from Saving Private Ryan. Oh, right. Yeah, Jeremy yeah. Davis. Davies. He's chasing after him. Instead of the music that should be like, dun, 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 dun. That's the music that should be playing during a chase. Instead, what music do they have playing during that? A jaunty banjo tune that's like dueling banjos as this guy is running through the woods, like screaming for his life while Robert Carlyle is running after him and taunting him like, I'm going to get you, boy. I'm going to get you. I'm going to eat your rat up. Yeah, I'm going to eat your rat up. And I was like, I need to see this movie. And mind you, this was before my obsession with my, my, my weird fear of the Sierra Nevadas and my weird obsession with the Donner Party kicked in. So this movie tickles all of that for me. And... Uh, I watched this for like the f first time in completion only like a few weeks ago, which is what we got the idea for this movie or this episode. And this movie's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been. It's been one of my sort of favorites of the era for a long time. Um it's one of those movies where this is uh this is one of those movies I think of when I think of how um when people have very strict understandings of what constitutes horror. You know, like sometimes people are like, well, in order for 
something to be a horror movie, it has to match these kind of expectations. And I think of that because when it came out and since I've seen really intense conversations occasionally, not often, but occasionally about whether this movie qualifies as a horror movie or not. Now I'm willing to accept that it has other influences, the Western, you know, frontier movies in general, even like a certain kind of like nineties action esque thing is going on. I mean, it's got Neil McDonough in it. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That, that it's definitely got the nineties yeah. action, but how is it not also a horror movie? You know what I mean? Like, I think I, I I am uninterested in a in defining this genre of film in such a way that Ravenous is like not at all a horror movie. This is a horror movie, and while it might not like deeply terrify me, which I mean, not a lot of movies do anymore. Uh, it certainly is effective. It has a lot of tension, and just the reality for me of Guy Pierce, who this character that Guy Pierce is playing is already like, he's got a lot going on, Justin. He's, he's traumatized. He's a traumatized man. Yeah. He's racked with PTSD. Yeah. He's got all kinds of shit going on. His whole company dies. He comes back. Everybody's like, well, maybe it was him. Maybe he killed them. And then the new commander comes in and it's the cannibal guy. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of tension there. I don't know, y'all. There's a lot of dread going on. That you know? scene, the, the look on Guy Pierce's face when fucking Robert Carlyle locks on in that scene is like, did they actually like pull a gun on him and he didn't realize? Like, did he actually think that Robert Carlyle was genuinely there? Like, he is fucking like genuinely terrified at that part. It's so fucking good when he just walks in. He's like, hello. And he's like, just fucking losing his, like, Guy Pierce is just like, about looks like he's having a fucking heart attack it's so good and it's you know i don't want to play down the fact too that uh robert carlisle is kind of a master of accents and so his scottish accent is utterly believable and then when he shows up as the commander and he has a, a more controlled kind of britishy accent it's so good utterly believable you he is two different people and then when he combines the two in a way, ugh, you know, that, I mean, the end when he's putting, he's got the blood cross. So I think most people listening to this have probably seen Ravenous. We should probably talk about this in case you haven't. Yeah. Guy Pierce is uh, honored as a war hero when he is, in fact, someone who played possum uh, and was, pop, you know, thrown in a stack of, of dead bodies. And uh, because he was put in this stack of dead bodies, he's able to get behind enemy lines and his commanders just decide, even though we fully know that this man is, you know, it had a had a trauma response to the violence around him. It doesn't set a good precedent for him to have won the battle for us and that we shoot him or court martial him like that seems like a bad thing. So instead, they give him a medal, which no, none of them think he should have. And then they ship him off to the middle of nowhere, California, at a time when going to California, not not great, actually. No, no, not, it's not a miracle fun. he made it there. Yeah, just getting there sucks. And this then when is he, literally the same time as the Donner Party. Like, yeah. it's the same fucking time. And the fort they send him to has, if when I say the word fort, the, the scare quotes you should be seeing in your mind 
when I say those words should be very pronounced. This is not a, this is a pile of sticks. It, it's like th- three buildings at most. If anyone attacked it with modern weapons, you could, just, one meg could destroy this fort. You with, could literally throw, gun. you could throw a rock at the right place and a building is going down. Yeah. It's like, he's been sent to the middle of nowhere with a bunch of rejects and uh, Robert Carlyle shows up and he seems upset. And he's got this whole story that involves cannibalism. And they go to like help save these people that he's left. And of course, the big reveal is that it was all a trap. And he's like basically, you know, going to capture these people and eat them. Everyone is killed except for Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce comes back. No one believes him because the whole story sounds crazy. Oh, before they go, this is the unfortunately mystical Native American part. There are some Native folks who live at the fort. And one of them tells them the story of the Wendigo. They don't handle it in a way that some of these movies would, where it would be like dramatic music and lighting to be like, he's revealing the secret knowledge. It's a little bit more. He's like, I've heard this story and this sounds like this and they don't play it up too dramatically. And there is a touch of humor because at one point yeah. they're just like, that's, that's so crazy. He's like, don't you guys eat Jesus every Sunday? Like what? This yeah, is the same yeah, thing. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, no, 100%. Yeah. I, I thought that was great too. But then when Guy Pierce comes back, he's because this experience was, so haunting like this dude just took them all out and guy pierce is like horribly wounded and he eats a little bit of one of his soldiers by the way uh his fellow soldiers so you know he's already sort of he's he's tapping into the to the man meat phenomena himself so when he comes back he's a little fucked up so no one really believes him they think maybe this guy went crazy and killed people then the new commander comes in and it's the same. It's the fucking cannibal guy. He's shaved his beard. He's got a different accent. The only other person who saw him is this drunk dude who doesn't remember anything. And so, you know, the tension rises. Uh, I will say, Justin, I don't know how you feel about this, but, uh, you know, after certain revelations, I feel conflicted whenever I see Jeffrey Jones in a movie. Right. I was I'm glad you brought it up because I was trying to figure out a way to mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know jeffrey jones he's you know if you haven't seen this movie you might know him as the principal from ferris bueller he's been in or a the, lot of the bad guy from howard the duck oh right bad guy from howard the duck in this movie he is a uh a man who is pretty easily corrupted to becoming a cannibal pr- pr- basically just wakes up eating man meat and is like i guess this is what i do now and uh the actor jeffrey jones was a terrible pedophile who hurt lots of people and was a monster and was basically protected for a long time because he was famous and the whole thing is pretty fucked up so when i see him and stuff i'm already conflicted i guess in this movie because he sucks so bad maybe knowing that he was a real life monster makes the character whatever but he has like kind of a noble ending and that part kind of bummed me out i i really wanted him not to choose yeah they kind of they 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 kind of give him the um I'd rather be dead than live like this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It works for the character, but fuck. I mean, I just wish, yet again, so many things have been ruined by the fact that there are multiple, there have been throughout the history of Hollywood, multiple people who are just fucking monsters. And just seeing that dude is, is it grosses me out. So yeah, it doesn't ruin the movie. People should still watch the movie per se. But I'm just saying, you know, for those of you who know the story, if if you are bummed on him, he is in the movie. He is not the hero, though, so I guess that's uh, at least one uh, uh, breath of fresh air in the in in the movie itself. Still, uh, 
the big reveal is that uh, he's 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 joined Team Cannibal, and they're there to get uh, Boyd, uh, Guy Pierce's character, to also join Team Cannibal, so they they can all be cannibals together out here when the you know the prospectors come out to continue the westward expansion. There is a bit of a subtext to the movie about about Manifest Destiny, yeah, and sort of the brutality of Manifest Destiny being similar to cannibalism, which I think is quite effective. I would also say people have argued for some of the years more recently since this movie came out that there's also a bit of a homoerotic subtext. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll say any movie with a bunch of of mostly men in the wilderness that have a lot of tension with each other, it's going to be a bit homoerotic. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. I mean, they're trapped in a bear trap. Their dicks are touching. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. And I think there's a whole... (sighs) This is not a judgment. It's just true that a lot of narratives that involve men corrupting other men can have homoerotic subtext. I think in a more modern context, people find that a bit frustrating or even offensive. Back in the day, I think people liked that, right? Like, because it was like, yeah, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to corrupt all these men. You know, like there was something about it that felt the same way that, like, you know, I have friends who love the Disney villains because so many of the Disney villains are coded as gay, you know, and they, instead yeah. of finding that offensive, they take joy in it, you know, like they love a wicked, a wicked gay character is like one of their favorites. It's a complicated history. And I think that it's okay if you watch Ravenous and you think like, maybe you want Guy Pierce to become a cannibal. Cause you're seeing the cannibals, not as actual cannibals, but as like a queer coded thing. I don't think you should feel bad about that. If that's the vibe you get, whatever. I saw it more as like, you know, in the context of the American West, who else would thrive but cannibals? I also do think, and tell me if I'm crazy here, Justin, there's a bit of a vampire vibe here. You know, like there is. I mean, it, it's, you know, real, real quick, not to go off, you know, divergent. Have you read uh, The Indifferent Stars Above? No, no. It, I don't know like, what that is. It's like the definitive work on the Donner Party. Okay. And one of the things just, I want to touch upon this real quick is one of the things that um, uh, Robert um, Carlyle wants to establish in, in this movie is he wants to use this fort as like the epicenter for like, oh, when people come by, we can just kidnap and eat them. And we can just do that and just live out here. And, you know, Boyd is like, oh, that's our uh, yeah, Boyd character. Boyd played by Guy Pierce. Is like, that's abhorrent. Um. One of the things that led the Donner Party astray was there was like, there was a, the Hastings cut off. Lance and Hastings was this like entrepreneur who was like, he's the one who led the Donner Party astray. He's the one who told them, I know this route that you can go this way, go over the mountains, blah, blah, blah. It's, it'll cut off, you know, a month of time and blah, 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 this, that, the other thing. He did that because he had a friend who had a outpost, like a fur trading outpost, that if this if if this route became popular, this guy's outpost would have made a ton of fucking money. And there is theories that um because scouts went ahead and they sent mail back to the Donner Party, like, turn the fuck around, don't come out here. This is not good. Like this guy withheld the, 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 those letters and the Donner Party obviously went on to fucking do unspeakable things. And there's, you know, kind of a theory in this book that, like, 
None of this would have happened if not for this fucking jerk off her in this outpost trying to make money, trying to capitalize on this, like, oh, my outpost is like the last place before you cross over the Sierra Nevadas. So it's sort of like it's almost the same thing where this guy was willing to have people die going on an unproven route just so he could make a little bit of extra money. Whereas in this movie, it's like, oh, no, we can just have this outpost out here and we can just eat people when they come by. It's not a far stretch to see. You know what I mean? Like the the the, the, the metaphor yeah, there. Of like, I think that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, there, there's definitely like a, there's definitely like like a, like a vampire element here. The whole idea of like, um, you know, we learn that like boy that um, Carlisle's character, he's on the verge of death. He has the consumption. He has, uh, you know, I don't know, like rickety elbows. He's all crackly. And then he eats his Native American guide after the guy's like, you want to hear cool stories? Like, there's this thing in the Wendigo. It's like, if you eat human flesh, you, you know, you're like Superman. So he does this. And I think you're right in the sense that there is like a character who's like on the verge of death who comes back after consuming mm-hmm, human mm-hmm. flesh. That's, there's definitely an element of the vampire there. Well, and I think also in the idea that Guy Pierce is, he, I mean, you know, again, hopefully most people have seen this, you know, spoilers for the people who haven't, uh, but, you know, who cares, really? Uh, Guy Pierce initially makes the wrong choice. He eats the people in order to get his strength back, but then he tur- uses that to turn things around and get, you know, and destroy Carlisle, right? But yeah, that, again, felt very vampire movie to me in the sense of, like, I'm on death's door, I can either nobly die or I can take the ill-begotten path to then choose destruction for this more dangerous person. I I will take a little bit of corruption in order to bring destruction to this more evil force. And I I think there's, there's something about that as well. And even the idea of like, we're going to spread this thing, right? Because the other plan is to get the general, which the movie sort of suggests that the general might have unwittingly joined on, by the way, because the way they treat the cannibalism is very much like, again, like vampires, like a, like a disease. Like you're going to catch it. You're going to eat the wrong thing and you're going to catch the, the Wendigo disease. Though, again, they don't turn to, for people who are familiar with the Wendigo, uh, different versions, at least of the Wendigo legend, no one here turns into a big old monster. Right. But, but it is true that, because the human flesh gives them strength and life, th- there's no getting off this train, right? Like no, no one once they're fully on board is going to be like, you know what? I'm just going to wean myself off the man meat and just go back to eating normal food. Like once you're in, you're in, right? And yeah. so, and in fact, it really feels like even though they still have him chained up, the vibe from Carlisle is he has no fear that Guy Pierce isn't now on board. That Boyd, now that he's had the stew and he's been healed because of he's a cannibal, he's certainly not going to betray us, right? Like, we don't fully trust him, but, like, he's not going to come after me. And when he does, it's the first indication that maybe Boyd isn't fucking omnipotent. Because up to this point, you can't fuck with Boyd or with our being Carlisle, right? You can't yeah. fuck with him. He's a monster. You can't stop him. He's smarter than you. He's stronger than you. He's he figuring this weird, whole goddamn thing he, out. He, he hypnotized like that scene when he's like moving on. He makes a move on like yeah. on, on Jeremy Davis when he's doing like the weird like chant. It's fucking nightmarish. I don't even know what that is. They never explain it. But just the way he's just like, uh, like, so one of the things I like about 28 Weeks Later is Robert Carlyle. He's fantastic yeah. in that movie. Arguably one of the few good things, one of the only good things about that movie 
maybe the only good thing about it. Um, but when he's like making the move on 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 Jeremy Davis Davies, it's like he does this like I can't explain it. It's almost like a like a weird Clive Barker hand, Doctor Strange, like she's chanting, and it's just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, what is he doing? Is he just doing this to psych this dude out? Like, but he definitely, I mean, he gets the jump on Neil Donahue's character. He gets the jump on the Native American there. Like, there definitely is an idea that this guy is not just like back from the dead and like hale and healthy, but like superhuman. He at least is able to understand your weaknesses before you understand his strength, right? Yes. And that in and of itself gives him the drop. But there is a suggestion that, like, he straight up gets shot and it, and then heals. So, like, that's a, basically all you need to know, right? That he's, yeah. that you can't fuck with this dude. Uh, side note, I think Robert Carlyle is kind of underrated as an actor. Like, I get that a lot of people know him primarily from train spotting, but that is not his career, right? It's not just train spotting. No, you know? he's done a lot of cool stuff. I, I I really he's in the full Monty. I really like him in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh so, you know, just to just to say I wasn't surprised that he was so good in this, but this is one of my favorite performances from him. It is he's so menace and and really if he plays this role differently, right? And if the movie takes a few different turns, then suddenly the whole this is not a horror movie argument takes on more weight, right? A different performance, a little less, uh, cause even when we see the skeletons, they still got enough grizzle on them that I think it's, it's, it'd be a stretch to say that they're not gory. There's, there's a little bit of goo in this movie. Not, yeah. as, not as much as other cannibal movies per se, but there's enough goo that I wouldn't show this to someone who's like utterly afraid of gross stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, but like a little bit less goo, a different performance from him. Uh, a couple of changes here and there. This does become more of an action movie that just happens to have a cannibal subtext, right? But his performance is so fucking menacing. Like, he is such a just unscrupulous monster that, like, I can only see it as a movie about evil, right? And evil in a way that is horrific, right? Uh, Yeah, this is an incredible movie. It's, you know, it is... It continues to be one of my favorites of the whole decade of the nineties it's 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 in the top and what's crazy is i also just remember when it came out when it came out i was in college and guess what i skipped this movie i did not go see it in the theaters it took me <laughs> years to finally give it a chance something about the old west of it all you know even though it's you know we say it has western it's not like western like a traditional western but it is like a frontier period piece movie something about that just i just was like bummed on it at the time and if you wanted me to explain it i don't know if i could i just was like eh, who cares see that's what draws me to it is like there is something to me to this day about the sierra nevada region that just fucking reeks of menace sure. yeah and there's just something about it that is so untamed and 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 and, and scary that if you told me oh no they're totally fucking wendingos and whatever the monster is from phantoms sure and, yeah, yeah, yeah you know fuck it aliens in there i would be like yeah, no, of course. I do not have that fascination, but I finally gave this movie a chance because so many people I knew were like, oh, it's a great movie, and it's one of, uh, a few people I know, it's one of their favorite Guy Pierce movies, which I think is saying a lot. So I thought, all right, I'll just give it a chance. 
and was blown away by it. It's just incredible. And it's been a while since I've seen it. So when you suggested it, I immediately was like, even though I will say this movie and our next movie, not exactly Halloween films, but that's okay. Cause we talk no. horror all year long. So it doesn't do. really matter. We're not posers. No, but I will say we didn't, we didn't pick two movies that fit the spooky vibe per se. In fact, I wonder, I guess you could kind of say our last one, just because it was a Frankenstein movie is a little bit the spooky vibe, but that's okay. Yeah, Frankenstein is up. Frankenstein is, Frankenstein is always spooky. Maybe we'll do on the next episode. We'll do some. Uh, I don't know. Fucking Hackle Lantern is that a very Halloween movie? I don't. I don't even know anymore. I was gonna say we've never done a mummy. We've never done mummy movies. Oh, that's true. Well, okay. Mummies I, are scary. I don't want to get off the topic. Okay. Evan Villela is afraid of mummies. I just want to put that out there. Okay. Evan Villela loves Ravenous. Right when we we're about to cover this this movie. He went to go see it at a, a in an actual movie theater by his house, and I was like, "Oh man, I wish that was the case for me. Like that would have been such a fun, like weird convergence of timing if I we were covering it and I got to go see it in a theater. That would have been really cool." But anyways, it. movie's great. You should watch it. Yeah. So we're gonna take a quick break, and we come back. We're gonna talk about nineteen or nineteen. Jesus Christ, two thousand sixteen's coming of age body horror drama film written and directed by Julia. How do you pronounce that, Liam? I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. Hold on a second. Here. Ducarnau. Let's just say oh, Julia Ducarnau. Let's say Descarnau. Descarnau. Julia Descarnau's raw. We'll be right back. We are back to talk about Raw. Liam, did you you and I saw this together, didn't we? I think we did, but I don't remember if that was the first time I saw it or the second time I saw it. We saw that. I know. I think we saw it. I was trying to figure. I was like, did Liam and I see this at Steel Stacks? We did. We did. Okay. Yes. Yes. I think that was the first time. Yeah. I think we saw it at Steel Stacks. We're kind of blown away by it, and then I think the moment it became available for home viewing. I rewatched it with Seuss because my memory of seeing it with you. And I think what was crazy is, you know, this is kind of inside baseball, but for people not from the Lehigh Valley, Steel Stacks is cool, but they don't get a lot of like new horror per se, right? No. It, it's not like they're always packing out these like indie horror films. And this was like, it had just played the festival. So we had heard about it. And then bada bing, bada boom, it was at Steel Stacks. And we were like, fuck, we got to go see this. Like, we, all I've heard is good things about this thing. We got to go see it. And I was blown away. And I got to say, rewatching it for this, one of the things I was immediately struck by that I had forgotten is like, it's easy to only talk about the, 
the story, the performances, the, you know, the angle of it, like the, the ideology of it. I wanted to open with, this is a beautiful movie. This is a good looking movie. It looks amazing looking. Awesome. The cinematography is unbelievable. The lighting is incredible. The editing, like this is a visual feast, even if for the few people I know who really thought for whatever reason, this was stupid or it didn't work for them or whatever their criticisms were. You can't argue with the fact this is a beautiful fucking movie. And, and I was re impressed by that on this viewing. Yeah. I mean, everything about this is like, uh, the scene that struck me the most that I was just like, okay, this is haunting. It's the scene when, uh, Justine is seeing the video of herself that her sister, that, that was taken while her, I, I guess her sister like got her drunk. I, I forget what it, what it, her, she blacks out. She blacks out. She wakes up in bed and she's like, oh, I'm hungover. All oh, this sucks. And then like, she realizes that the night before her sister had taken her down to this morgue and there's this video of her crawling around on all fours as her sister is like talking to her like a dog and trying to get her to bite the hand of an actual corpse that they have and everything about that scene is chilling the look on the act, the actor's face, I believe it's uh, Garen's. M- m- I can't pronounce it. I, I, I can't pronounce it at all. Um, Ga- Garen's Marielle. The look on her face, the way she's moving, um, the way it's shot, everything about that scene is just like, oh my fucking god, this is this is like, this feels like I'm watching a nightmare. It's just so fucking weird. And then there's all these, like, there's a lot of, like, outdoor scenes and the way this, like, the school that they're in, like, there's these outdoor scenes of, like, there's several shots of, like, students, like, filling up the courtyard. And the way they do it is, like, it's, like, weirdly Kubrickian, I guess, is, like, the way that all, like, the walkways go to, like, a point. It's just, yeah, it's just a, it's just an amazingly shot film. And there's a lot of care that went into every single, the way it's framed, everything is like, is like, there's like so much attention paid to it. And not in the way that it's like, oh, it's like a Wes Anderson movie where it's symmetrical and not, not like that. Just, it's like very well composed and, and just, it just looks good. I think the way that it combines the anxiety of the body horror, kind of like, you know what movie it is? thematically and even aesthetically similar to even while it's miles apart is ginger snaps of course another movie that's about bodies and coming of age and 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 uh femininity sisterhood all these other sort of themes that are playing raw uh but you know ginger snaps has a bit of a campy silly thing not that there's no humor in raw but raw is just a bit more for me stark and kind of haunting you know it has some rougher edges it has some jarring transitions that are very effective like it does a lot of like cutting from one thing to another that at first you're kind of confused by but then it reveals itself and i fucking i love that i love that let's call it juxtaposition right you're immediately struck by wait where are we now or why is this happening now but that you actually learn sort of what that's going on like for example the reveal that she's been, you know, oh, I guess we haven't really got into this. So uh, a young woman is uh, 
but a vegetarian and she gets into a veterinary school where her sister goes and it through the out the course of the movie you kind of get the re- realization that she is going to this school younger than her other sort of classmates that she's sort of a wonderkind and she's gotten into this veterinary school a lot younger and the thing that people might not get about this veterinary school and not that I'm some sort of expert on French culture or anything I only know about this because uh, Chuck Palahniuk talked about this place when I saw him live, right? He was telling stories of people having horrible experiences that kind of brought them together as people. And he did a whole series of stories about hazing rituals, right? Yeah. And each hazing ritual got more and more intense until the climax was from this sort of veterinary school. So I guess in uh, France, these veterinary schools are very high stakes. You don't just they're get like into the them. yeah they're like the best in the world in the world, and like a lot of places that are high stakes academically, the hazing rituals are intense. In fact, the story he told us, which may or may not be true, he wasn't advocating for the veracity of these stories. He was just saying these are stories that he was told. The hazing ritual was a nightmare. It was literally a guy. I think this was not for freshmen. I think this was actually for graduating. Uh, seniors that uh, this guy woke up drugged he had been knocked out by horse tranquilizers and he woke up Justin in the corpse of a horse that he had been sewn into from which he had to dig his way out fuck that and when he emerged it was a party not too different from the party in the movie only it was you know, seniors about to graduate, not incoming freshmen. I'm pretty sure. Granted, I heard this story over a decade ago when I saw Polaniak live at the Philadelphia Library. And so uh, when I saw this movie and I realized she was going to veterinary school, I was like, oh, I hear these are really fucked up places. So all the events in the movie felt very believable to me, which I think some people were like, what the fuck is going on? But anyways, the big reveal of the movie is that the reason she's been raised vegetarian her whole life is the moment she eats meat, she's overcome by a desire to consume human flesh. And her sister turns out knows all about this and uh, shows her how she's dealt with this issue, which is um, a weird form of passive aggressive murder. Right. Uh, Which side note, this weird form of murder it's also related to a suicidal tendency. Is is that fair to say, Justin? Because the any of these cars could hit her and kill her, right? Oh yeah, no. It's 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 like that. The first time I saw this, I was like, "That's what I thought this was was uh, a suicide attempt." But I think it's a way to murder that involves your own suicide. Like if it doesn't work out, then you die. But if it does work out, then you have someone you can take bites out of and not get caught what the fuck man like it's the whole thing is psychotic in its own way but as she's discovering that she has this desire for human flesh right she's sort of experimenting with different things she gets a rash she is sort of obsessively doing things like eating meat all the time and at a certain point she's starting to chew her own hair and the and the way the movie reveals that she's actually been chewing probably too much of her own hair is she just pukes up a long string of hair that she's pulling out of her throat it's disgusting it's nightmarish it's surreal but it's one of those moments where the movie's like we're just going to transition to this moment and there's not going to be a prelude but the way that we do it is so effective you're along for the ride and and maybe that doesn't work for everyone but for me justin it's a nightmare scenario that made me feel like i was actually in the hands of a master filmmaker because it fucking destroyed me yeah, the thing that, like, 
So the whole idea of, the, uh, uh, of these people being vegetarians and then being corrupted by the eating of meat, obviously for me, there's like a little, I'm not going to say there's anxiety towards that, but I, 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 I think it's the thing that gets me is, is more, the body horror element of this movie is where this lifelong vegetarian suddenly has this craving for flesh her body is literally turning against her and not in any sort of like dramatic Cronenbergian way or any you know let's fucking even say like in Titan um this director's other movie it's like there's something that's awoken in her yeah. when she first eats meat and that you know later is kind of there's the revelation that that that's like not an accident um that her fa you know her family was vegetarian for a reason um it's the slow realization that she is something other than what she was before that gets to me the the idea that there's some that there's something being awoken in her that is driving her to do things that she would otherwise consider you know un unspeakable um because she is vegetarian or she's led to believe she's vegetarian for ethical reasons like she talks about how like it's 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 wrong to eat this rab you know they do the the hazing where they have to eat like raw rabbit kidneys like she's revolted at that and not just because it's like aesthetically because it's like she thinks it's immoral and again the concept of there being this awakening awakening of an appetite in her of this unholy appetite is also like vaguely vampiric yeah you know because that's what happened you know like you look at like the lost boys when you know jason patrick is he he goes to attack his brother because there's something being awoken in him. Um, just the idea of like your body's appetites uh, turning against you and you being helpless in the face of that. That I I don't know like j and just compelling you to do these like horrible things is like, um, it's fucking wild. Like it's and the the, the scene when like. This there's the scene where 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 she, in the hazing process she's like that guy tries to kiss her and she like bites part of his lip yes, off. Yes, yes. And like, okay, that is bad enough. Like that right there, that scene alone is like, okay, she bit this dude's lip off. That's like that's fucking scary. But then later when she finds the chunk of the fucking lip in her tooth and she eats it, like, yeah, that makes me want to fucking vomit. Oh, there are so when she eats the raw chicken, I still yeah, feel oh my sick. god, I still feel yeah. sick. I mean, I. I think you're right. There's that whole vampire quality. There's also this sense, the more I think about it, the ending really brings up this sense of like, it makes, you know what it makes me think of in a less maybe ham-fisted way is the way that the Babadook is about mental health, right? Yeah. By showing the scars of the dad and him being like, you know, we figured it out with your mom. We'll figure it out with you. Right. Is this way that, um, it reminds me of the Babadook. It reminds me of uh, Let the Right One In, right? Yep. Any of these movies that are about how love is sometimes about living with the monstrosity of the one you love, right? And about coming to terms with yourself. Now, that could be taken in a bad way when we're talking about abuse, right? But I think it's pretty clear that the movie isn't trying to justify abuse. It's really about 
coming to terms with human darkness and with the things that we have to carry, right? And in a way, it's about realizing you're part of a line of 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 suffering and complexity. Uh, and it's it's hard. The same way that you know we we talked about this with uh, uh, Titan or Titan or however you pronounce it. That that movie could also it's walking a line, right? Because it's asking what you're going to put up with, what you're willing to suffer. And that could be a problem. And I, and I think if you look at all of this director's movies, there's this question of transformation of revelation of gender and sexuality. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's this pushing of humanity in all these movies that is dangerous, but I think is always handled in a way that I think is ultimately human, you know? And that's interesting to me. And raw is very interesting to me. Um, even as I think it's an effective piece of filmmaking and is very upsetting, like it just gets under my skin. I think it also is interesting and could lead to a discussion that is difficult, but isn't necessarily, it doesn't, I don't think it, it ends in a way that is a problem, but I think it, it opens up an interesting conversation. Oh yeah, that that ending with the whole idea of like this is her and her sister are just the latest in a line of going who knows how far back. It's like this this movie is about there's revealing there there's a sense of revealing several times in this movie that is like upsetting. It's like first off yes. we have this she's having these these appetites and then she realizes, "Oh, her sister is also having these appetites. And then the last scene in the movie is her father revealing like, oh no, by the way, like your mom also dealt with this. And like the scene where he just like opens his shirt and he's just like scarred by her mother is like sickening. It's just yeah. like, what the fuck? Like you've been hiding this from your fucking children. Like this poor girl is like traumatized by so much shit. And then it's like, this is thrown on her. So there, yeah, yeah, it's like, there's, there's also the, like, there's also the concept of like how, you know, not only is your body turning against you, but then it's like your family, which is like, I guess like, a, like a, like an extension of the body isn't necessarily turning on you, but it is now unfamiliar yes. because your sister is also a fucking cannibal. And yes. so is your mother. Yes. And it, it's like, there's so much about like your everyday life being like fucking flipped and perverted. And yeah, I, I guess that's like the, the real true horror of this movie is that yeah. sense of like normalcy is now gone. Nothing that you thought was real is real. And your entire life is just it's fucking madness now. Well, and I think because the movie is so masterful in how it deals with this the fears and the nightmares of coming of age and sexuality, right? In a real way, the cannibalism could be seen as a metaphor for sex and sexuality, right? Uh, that would make it then easy to miss something that only just occurred to me, which is that just like Ravenous, even though this movie is French and they never bring it up, it's essentially a Wendigo movie, right? Because yeah. the Wendigo legend is not just about cannibalism, it's about hunger. It's about the ways that people can consume each other out of a hunger and that the cannibalism is sort of a metaphor for that. It's the same in this movie, right? Like it's not just that her sister can or even wants to eat human flesh. It's that she can't 
not eat human flesh, right? Yes. And that's that's the problem with her is that this desire, her body is going to turn on her if she doesn't go after this desire, which again, I think that's why I can also feel that it's about sexuality, again, maybe about queerness for some people, but this idea that there's something that you're trying to come to terms with that is hard, that has been, that is a problem, and that you feel like you have to keep hidden in the movie, it's it's obviously literally why because no one's going to be like, oh, you eat human flesh, okay, that's fine, you know, like it's it's yeah. it's. But I think it can be about that anxiety about wanting to stay hidden and wanting to, and that for her parents, they're just like, we'll just be a vegetarian, and then we never have to acknowledge that this is a problem. We never, you know, it's like by ignoring it by a, by a kind of puritanism. We're going to control this thing. Only the reveal of her dad is, well, no, because obviously you didn't control it, right? Obviously, it's been a problem, and it's not going to go away because we don't talk about it, right? And the last line of the movie, the fucking last line of the movie is, I'm sure you'll find a way to deal with it. Oh, like, God. what the fuck kind of fuck. thing is that to say to your child oh, such after you drop that on and like, oh, yeah, your mother's tried to eat me several times. We dealt with it. I'm sure you'll be fine. Like, get the fuck out of here. As you're after, by the way, the sister who was never prepared for this reality, right? She didn't really understand what she was going through is being taken away to jail because yes. she ate uh, her sister's roommate. Right. So yeah. obviously the, the fucking nightmare of this thing has already impacted their family. But the dad is almost seems powerless. Like, well, I don't know. I'm sure you'll figure it out. What I mean, the he's fuck, really, he's man. totally a haunted man by the fact that yeah. he is the sole person in his family who doesn't hunger after human flesh. Like, also, why? Oh, yeah. When, when he says to her earlier in the movie, don't have two girls, it's too complicated. Yep. That yep. has a double meaning that at the time, I'm sure when he says it, people watching are like, oh, what a sexist prick. Mm, nope. Nope, that's not what he means. He doesn't yeah. mean because of their hormones. He means because all the women in this family consume human flesh. So there yeah. you go. Yeah, I, I I love this movie. I it was such a it's joy magical. rewatching it. Yeah. Um, I love this. I love Titan. I love all these. Give me movies about people who whose bodies are just like fuck you, and betray them. I, I'll take that. I mean, well, they, they, and, and you've talked about this on social media, but anyone who listens to this show long enough knows we also like queer things. Like we're just attracted to queer things to a certain extent. And I think though it's not necessarily on the surface in either of these movies, there's a bit of that under the surface. There's a bit of that question about identity and connection to other well, people. Even the scene, and, the scene when she, she has, she has sex with her friend, Adrian. Yes. And she's like trying to talk to him and he, he's just like, do you not understand that I'm gay and we had sex last night? Do you understand what that means for me? Yes. Like how trauma, like he doesn't come out and say like, oh, I'm traumatized by this, but like, I'm sure that wasn't great for him. No, because that's, he has an understanding of who he is and he's, but he's young enough to be figuring that out. And this thing that happened is not just about their friendship, right? Which is, by the way, not that deep at that point. They're still getting no. to know each other. It's not like they've known each other for years, right? And What's more, also, side note, did he notice or not notice that she bit her arm and drank her own blood? I don't know if that was part yeah. of that, too, you know? Yeah. <sighs> All right, it's a, well, it's I, a great movie. And it's, it's a fantastic movie. It is upsetting, movie, yeah. and it's magical, and you should yeah. watch it. So I think that's the episode. Yeah. Uh, 
Thank you for listening to us talk about these movies about people eating each other. Uh, be sure to head to patreon.com backslash of the punks and, you know, maybe throw us a little bit of money. It's fine. A little money. Check out uh, Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations at www.xlvacx.com for all your screen printing needs. Uh, EssexCoffeeRoasters.com for all your coffee roasting needs. And Mechanical Shark Media for all your uh, Mechanical Shark needs. <laughs> and also check out uh liam you have to pump tell can you tell us what your latest rough cut uh pre-order oh was? man oh man so we did uh halloween three season of the witch which i thought was going to be the killer turns out no people were more excited about uh it's the great pumpkin charlie brown and then we did a shirt where we just were like what if we just smush these two things together that wasn't the plan we were just going to do these two movies as they're two very Halloween movies, and then we realized they would make a fun crossover. And I'll tell you what, Justin, that's the big seller so far, is that that's crossover so shirt sick. that says, it's the season of the witch, Charlie Brown. That's so fucking dope. Yeah. Uh, hey, if you love Halloween 3 like we do, go buy one of those, because I, for some reason those are not selling as well, and I feel like they I'm should be killing one. it. I'm gonna buy one. Good. I yeah. appreciate Roughcutfanclub.com. Alright, uh, until next time, um, Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, and fuck Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, yeah, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that sounds right. All right. That's correct. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts! Hey! Hey!